All right, so um, I did have this discussion question for us today, but we're starting late. So we're just gonna skip the discussion question. And we are continuing on in our open series. And today we're talking about the open road, the open road of life. And you might be wondering why the image is water instead of, oops, sorry. Uh, well, the image was water uh, instead of a road. And part of it is because I don't wanna be too literal, and also another part of it is because I was kind of lazy and I didn't want to change the background from last week. So I just kept the same background from last week. And we're talking about the open road of life, right? And one of the things that we can encounter that we can come across in the open road of life are divine encounters, okay? Divine encounters. I don't know if you've ever experienced this in your life. Well, I'm actually pretty sure you have experienced divine encounters in your life. But I don't know if you've recognized it or known that it was a divine encounter. Um, there are different definitions of divine encounters like that you could find online. Uh, one that I found that uh, I really liked that made the most sense to me is this. A divine encounter is meeting a person or having an experience that ends an affliction, solves a problem, or transforms your life in a profound way that can only be explained by God. Perhaps you may have heard someone say before, oh, this is a God thing, meaning like, oh, this, I could have never made this happen, or you know, I could have never planned for this, right? Um, maybe you've said that before, this is a God thing, right? And that's what people mean when they are trying to describe uh, divine encounters. I'll give you one example, okay? Uh, and this is from like way, way, way back in the day. <laughs> this is like when I was finishing up college, okay? And I've heard for many, many years since I was in high school that I should be a pastor, that I should go into ministry of some kind. Uh, from ever since I was like, I think nine years old, my grandma told me, even before like I was a Christian, right? My grandma told me like, she's been praying for months and like God kept telling her, that like Al was going to be a pastor. And, like I'm freaking nine, you know? So she's telling this nine-year-old that like, oh, you're going to be a pastor. I'm like, what? What's that? And then she's like, oh, like your uncle. You know how he like speaks in public at church, right? And talks about God. I'm like, I don't want to do that. What the hell, grandma? Right? Like you're freaking traumatizing me. Like don't tell a nine-year-old this thing. Like don't plant these like seeds in the nine-year-old's head, right? I was like, you crazy, grandma. You crazy. And I'm saying this all in Korean, which sounds way worse, right? Uh, I'll be like, no, meet yourself, harmony, no, meet yourself, <laughs> which sounds really bad. It's almost like cussing at my grandma. Anyways, so, uh, so I like run away. She's like telling me, God told me for months, months, you're going to be a pastor. I'm like, ah, and I'm like running away. And, and so time goes by. And then lo and behold, like in ninth grade, I do become Christian. I take my faith very seriously. And I'm like super active and, and involved in church. I'm playing drums for church. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to every like Friday night Bible study, going to church, like, and our, I grew up in a big church. So we have like two services. I'm playing drums for both services. And um, I just, I kept, I was just, I just like, kept getting more and more involved. And all of my pastors since ninth grade have told me, you're going to be a pastor someday, right? I'm like, are you in cahoots with my grandma? Did she tell you to tell me this, right? Um, obviously, they didn't, right? So, uh, yeah, so I've, I've been hearing it for a long time. And then finally, like my senior year in college, I still had a lot of doubt, right? I still had a lot of doubt. 
in myself, right? I was very insecure. I was, um, yeah, I was. Just, I just, I, I just was so wrapped up in like my insecurities and my faults and my shortcomings that I was like, oh, I, I, this is this is a mistake, right? And I was, I kind of needed a break from my church that I grew up at and that I was like so involved in, like all throughout high school and college. And my friend uh, Ben at the time, he invited me to come out to his church, which was this new church that was starting off in Pasadena. And I was like, oh, I could use a break, right? So I went with him to that church and it was a new small church and they didn't have their own building. It was kind of like this, but instead of meeting at a community center, they met at an elementary school and there were like maybe like 50 or 60 people there. We were all like, uh, like crowded together in this like little room <laughs> in this elementary school. And the pastor was of that church was giving his message very much like I am today, right? With like 50 or 60 people. And like, like 15 minutes into his message, he just like stops like dead in his tracks, right? Like in the middle of a point that he was making and he looks directly at me. He goes, I'm sorry. I, I, just, I just keep hearing God telling me to tell this man something. I'm like, who me? I never met you, man. And he's like, I know, I never met you, right? Um, what is your name? And I'm like, uh, Al. He's like, how did you come here? I was like, through with Ben. I came here with Ben. Like, oh, okay, Ben. Okay, cool. Can you stand up? And he has me freaking stand up in front of, like, what am I going to do? Right? He's just calling me out in the middle of this freaking service, right? I'm like, oh, uh, okay. So I like sheepishly like stand up. I'm like, okay. And he says, you're like at a crossroad in your life right now. And God wanted me to tell you this. Like, you're at a crossroad in your life right now where you're afraid to move forward. And God is telling me, like, just move forward. You don't have to have everything planned out. Just do it, right? And, uh, and everyone was, like, confused, right? But in my mind, it, like, it's making complete sense. And he's like, is this making sense to you? I'm like, yes, absolutely. He's like, can you tell me about yourself? And I said, well, I'm a senior in college, and um, I applied to go to seminary. I got in, but I still don't want to go. And then everyone's like, oh, my God. Right? And, uh, and he's like, well, I think I, that's why God wanted me to, like, have you stand up and do. Because he, like, never does this, right? Especially with, like, someone who's been to that church one time. I, that's, like, my one and only time I've ever been at that church. And I'm looking over at my friend Ben, and his, like, jaw is on the floor. He's like, <laughs> he's like this. Um, and that's it. Right? That was, like that my divine encounter and that really like gave me the push to go into ministry and I've heard many people who like know me very well telling me that this is the way I should go but it kind of took this stranger who didn't know me who like heard from God to tell me this that really gave me that final push that I needed so life is this open road right and we walk down this path of life like one step at a time and we don't know what kind of people experiences and challenges we'll meet along the way we can't control what comes to our path but we can control how we respond to them and our response to these unexpected people experiences and challenges is what will shape us the most it's not the actual event that happens 
when we're on the open road. It's our response to it that will shape us and transform us the most. There are these divine encounters waiting for us and the open road provides us with opportunities to experience these encounters. So, and this is the central truth for today. Uh, the open road provides opportunities for divine encounters. The open road provides opportunities for divine encounters. And the passage we're gonna look at today, it's quite literally gonna explore this concept of divine encounters when we're on the open road. It's the story of Apostle Philip and the Ethiopian. It comes to us from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture that, you, that, that the eunuch was reading. He was led like sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage of scripture that told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus, and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Let's pray. Lord, as we read about this divine encounter between Apostle Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, would you help us to see, open our ears to hear, and open our hearts to receive, the divine encounters you have in store for us in our lives moving forward as we travel down the open road of life. And help us to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit's voice, your lead, your prompting, so that we can respond 
in a way that would transform us when these encounters happen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. All right. So this story, I don't know if you picked up on the little details in the story, but this story is like so interesting. It's such a fascinating encounter that Apostle Philip has with this Ethiopian eunuch. We don't even know this Ethiopian eunuch's name. Okay. He is just given that uh, nomicra, the Ethiopian eunuch. So in this passage, there are basically three characters. There's Philip the Apostle. There's the Ethiopian eunuch and the Holy Spirit. Okay, there in the beginning it starts off by talking about the angel of the Lord. I actually think they're one and the same. Okay, but we'll get back to that. Okay, so there's three basic characters: uh, Philip the Apostle, the Ethiopian eunuch, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, first let's talk about Philip the Apostle. Philip the Apostle is one of the twelve disciples. He is from this town called Bethsaida, and this is where uh, the pool was located, where Jesus healed the invalid man, okay? And we talked about this last month uh, on July 17th, okay, when we talked about healing. And so um, if you wanted to learn some more backstory about that town uh, or about the, the healing of the invalid man, go ahead and uh, listen to that message. Uh, and Philip, uh, unfortunately, he's kind of like one of the lesser known disciples and apostles. Uh, he didn't really have like a loud, boisterous personality. Um, but he was very trustworthy, okay? He was really reliable, okay? It was, he wasn't like uh, Peter, James, John, or Matthew, where they kind of came from a, you know, suspicious background, or they had these, like, really loud personalities, okay? And Philip kind of just, like, kept his head down, did his thing, and was a really, really solid, reliable man, okay? And he was there at the feeding of the 5,000, where he actively participated in that miracle that Jesus performed, and he was so trustworthy that he and Stephen, who was the first martyr of the church, uh, were in charge of the finances, okay? And uh, that's how trustworthy he was. So as an apostle, uh, after Jesus's death, resurrection, and ascension, Philip became a missionary to Greece, where uh, he may have grown up for some time, okay? Because he was uh, really fluent in Greek. He read and wrote Greek really well. And then after that, he later moved on to places like Syria and Phrygia, which is modern-day Turkey. All right, so that's Philip, right? Then the second character is the Ethiopian eunuch. And there is nobody like this person in the entire Bible, all right? So he's Ethiopian, obviously, so he's from Africa. And he is most likely a servant or a slave to a wealthy Jewish family. And the reason why I know this, I'll explain later, all right? Uh, and also, he's a eunuch. Now, I'm glad that the kids are next door. There's no minors in here, okay? A eunuch, as you know, most of you might know, is a slave who has been mutilated, most often uh, right after birth. They're born into slavery, okay? And oftentimes, they know that this child is gonna be a slave. And what people, the slave owners often do, like slave traders, slave owners, what they often do is mutilate the baby so that, slave, so that their masters can trust them with their wives, right? So, that, and so their entire life is dedicated to being a slave. It's horrible. It's a horrible tradition 
that uh, lasted for thousands and thousands of years uh, up until relatively recently. I mean, there are some like little pockets in the world where this still happens, which is uh, horrendous, but this was actually like not that uncommon in the first century. What we also know about the Ethiopian eunuch, um, kind of based on this story, this passage, is that he's really reliable, he's influential, and he, like Philip, is also very trustworthy. There are little details, there are little nuances in this encounter that Philip has with the eunuch that reveals this about him. And also, he's um, incredibly intelligent, okay? He's incredibly intelligent. So he was a slave uh, to this wealthy Jewish family, right? And just by being around them, he learned how to speak Hebrew. Uh, and also by being around them, he learned how to like read a little bit of Hebrew. He didn't fully understand it because he wasn't educated directly, but just by being around it, like, he would pick things up. And that's why he was able to read the book of Isaiah. It was only written in Hebrew. It's not like they translated it to different languages back then, okay? The Old Testament, or the, as the Jews would call the Tanakh, it was only written in Hebrew. And he's Ethiopian, right? So the only explanation could be that he like picked things up as he was a slave to this wealthy Jewish family, okay? He's incredibly intelligent. And because he maybe bonded with this family that he was a, a slave to, and maybe they treated him pretty well, right? And they kind of, maybe they even treated him a little bit like family. Uh, he became a Jew by practice and by religion. Obviously, culturally, um, by birth, he's not a Jew, right? But he became a Jew, right? Uh, by practice and by religion. And he was so loved and respected by his masters that they even gave him vacation days, time off to go to Jerusalem to worship, which is unheard of. You know, that's unheard of in the first century. Like what kind of masters gives slaves time off, right? Like let alone to like go to Jerusalem to travel, migrate to Jerusalem to worship, right? This is like really, really odd, okay? This is really, really unique. Okay, this is how uh, respectable, uh, loved, and um, trustworthy this Ethiopian eunuch was, okay? And we also know that he was uh, influential because he, had, he, he was riding on a chariot, right? And this is also weird. Like, what kind of slave, like, rides on his own chariot, right? So this, this just, there's so many, like, little details and nuances to the story that is just, um, I'm, every time I read it, I pick up more and more things, right? And in the beginning of today's passage, okay, I'm just going to read the first uh, two or three verses again. It says, the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met this Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. So um, Philip, when the angel of the Lord or the Holy Spirit, okay, however you want to interpret that, told Philip to go from Jerusalem to Gaza, he probably thought that there was something waiting for him in Gaza. Okay? I mean, we, Gaza is still there, right? I'm sure maybe you've heard of the Gaza Strip, right? Uh, where a lot of um, tension between uh, Israel and Palestine was happening. Okay, so that journey is like 50 miles. 
It's a, it's a long walk, okay, from Jerusalem southwest to um, Gaza. And he probably thought there was something waiting for him in Gaza. If there were going to be some sort of divine encounter, it's going to be waiting for him at the end of the road. But instead, it happens on the road, on the desert road. And this is what's really interesting about divine encounters, is that divine encounters happen most often in the margins of the open road. And this is the first thing that we can learn about this passage, is that divine encounters happen most often in the margins of the open road. And maybe on the freeway, you could say it happens most often on the shoulder <laughs> of the freeway, all right? But however you want to interpret that. We meet people when we don't expect to meet them, like people who would change our lives. Uh, we experience life-changing events when we're planning for something else to happen. And we face challenges when we might be completely focused on something else. Divine encounters happen most often in the margins of life, okay, in the margins of the open road. It's interesting that uh, in verse 26, it says it was the angel of the Lord who prompted Philip, yet in verse 29, it says the spirit, and the spirit is capitalized, which means the Holy Spirit. Uh, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Um, I actually think we shouldn't read too much into this, the difference between the angel of the Lord or the Holy Spirit, because they're both from God. Um, but the Holy Spirit, like, she communicates to us all the time. It may not be with words necessarily, uh, but it doesn't need to be. She communicates to us all the time. And the reason why I say the Holy Spirit is she is because the Hebrew word for spirit, uh, ruach, is a feminine word. Okay, uh, In Hebrew, kind of like Spanish, there are like masculine and feminine words. The Hebrew word for spirit is ruach, which is a feminine word, and I don't think the male pronoun should have a mon monopoly on the Trinity. So the Holy Spirit is communicating to us all the time and not actually very rarely with words. And maybe when you're like so close to someone, uh, you, you're so close to someone that like, you don't need to talk to communicate. Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Let's say you do something stupid, right? Or you say a stupid comment and this person that you're close to just looks at you and you're like, oh, it's like piercing, right? It's like, oh, right? Oh, don't look at me, don't look at me. Right? Uh, or there are other times where like, well, I experience this all the time with my kids, especially my daughter, Emily. Um, when I make a bad dad joke, I don't even have to look at her. I could like feel this like energy of like embarrassment that's coming from, that's emitting from her body. And all she has to do is just like exhale, like, and I just know she's like so disappointed. <laughs> she's like so disappointed with my dad joke. Um, yeah, I think we all have like relationships like this where like words actually uh, can do less, right? They communicate less sometimes. And when we're going through something extremely difficult extremely painful in life, sometimes words can be insensitive, you know? All you really need is just someone to like be there with you 
listen to you, mourn with you. And that is more comforting than anything else. Sometimes even just like a gentle touch on the shoulder, that's all you need. And this is how the Holy Spirit communicates with us all the time. And this is the other thing that we can learn about the open road is that the Holy Spirit communicates to us all the time. Just like she did with Philip when he met the Ethiopian eunuch. And she does this with us all the time. We just have to pay attention. We just have to pay attention. And what's really interesting is that when the Holy Spirit told Philip to just uh, go to that chariot, she doesn't say, like, do anything crazy. <laughs> right? The Holy Spirit just tells, the, uh, just tells Philip to go to that chariot and just stay near it. Just stay near it. Just, just, just be in the vicinity of that, <laughs> of that chariot. And then, you know, maybe you'll know what to do, right? Just, just, just hang out near there. And of course, and obviously when like he hears this Ethiopian, this African slave, this Ethiopian eunuch speaking in Hebrew, it surprises him, right? He's like, oh, do you know what you're reading? And he said, how can I know what I'm reading when I have no one to help me understand it, right? So he just picked up Hebrew. Who picks up Hebrew, right? Who just picks up Hebrew, right? So he wasn't formally educated. That's why he didn't really understand what he was saying. Uh, and then as soon as Philip began explaining to him what he was reading, the Ethiopian eunuch was like blown away, right? He, this is the passage of scripture. This is verse 32. This is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before cheer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Can you just imagine what the Ethiopian eunuch must have been experiencing? He was led like a sheep to the slaughter? Like a lamb before a cheer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. This Ethiopian eunuch was probably made a eunuch when he was a baby. He had no choice, right? He had no control over that situation. And he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. Like, and he's like, wait, who is this? Who is this prophet that this Bible is talking about? Can you imagine just the connection, the deep, like, like, profoundness that this what must have been going on in this person's spirit right and uh in verse 33 it says in his humiliation he was deprived of justice like there's this like big stigma of shame that sits with every eunuch in the first century right because that's who they are permanently right and he doesn't know what justice is right he's so unfamiliar with justice this is why in verse 34 the eunuch asked philip Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? There's this amazing ability that Jesus has to be able to connect with the most unexpected people. From uh, the wealthy homeowner to this African slave. And what this encounter really reveals to us about these divine encounters that we meet and that we have on the open road is that most oftentimes they're mutually transformative. Divine encounters on the open road 
are mutually transformative. Um, Philip bonded with this guy in a profound way. Just as he was influential, reliable, trustworthy, and intelligent, um, this man was all of that and more. This Ethiopian man was all of that and more. Divine encounters on the open road can be mutually transformative. Maybe you meet someone or you experience something and it's not only gonna like touch your life, it's gonna touch someone else's life. And both of you walk away from that experience having been changed forever. And we know that this is what happened with Philip like immediately because his game plan changed. After he met this Ethiopian eunuch, instead of going to Gaza, he went to this other place called uh, Azotus, right? And, uh, and then from there, he went to this place called Caesarea, right? And he was probably called, he probably felt like he was called to minister and to love other people who were just like him, namely Jewish Greeks. Right, Jews who are from like Hellenistic culture. But then after this, uh, not only did he go to places like Greece, he went to places like Syria. And he went to places like Turkey. So this one encounter with this Ethiopian eunuch totally changed his life's calling to go beyond just ministering and loving people who are just like him to ministering and loving people who are completely different. Because... Never in like a million years would you think that someone like Philip would befriend and get along and have this like transformative encounter with someone like this Ethiopian eunuch. So in the beginning of today's message, I shared about that story that I had when I was a college student finishing up my senior year. Um, a couple of years ago, my friend Ben uh, like told me that his past, he's still really active at that church. Uh, he told me that his pastor asked him about me. He doesn't even know my name. And we only, that, that one conversation we had, that was like the only encounter that we've had, right? But he asked Ben about me. He's like, hey, is your friend, that guy who brought you brought to church like when you're in college? And Ben's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> is he still a pastor? What's he doing these days? And he told him that I'm a pastor and a chaplain. He's like, oh my God, that's great. That's great. And that experience stayed with him just as much as it stayed with me. And I don't know what kind of impact it made in his life, but the, the fact that he like remembers that and like is curious about where I am is uh, it's very interesting. It's very telling. You know, these divine encounters, it, it's mutually transformative. So uh, a question to reflect on and to leave you with is this. How can you be more open to recognizing a divine encounter when it comes across on the open road of your life? And you see what I did there? The theme for this month is open. That's why I put that word in there twice, right? How can you be more open to recognizing a divine encounter when it comes across on the open road of your life? I don't, I don't have an answer for that. Only you could know that, right? You have to figure that out. So, thanks for nothing, Al. Just kidding. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Or help us to see when 
we come across these seemingly unexpected obstacles in our lives. Sometimes they might be moments of joy. Sometimes they might be really painful. Sometimes they might be easy to receive and recognize as divine encounters. And sometimes it might be really hard to see and recognize them as in divine encounters. Through it all, may we pay attention to your Holy Spirit, not just her voice, but her prompting, the gentle nudges, the comforting presence, the empathizing tears um, that mourn with us when we are going through something so difficult. And when we encounter these uh, experiences on the open road, help us to respond in a way that will draw us closer to you and help us to become more and more like Jesus, to become more spiritually healthy and spiritually mature. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.